Welcome to Above the Mess, the podcast that follows three creators as we bounce between our interests, dive down rabbit holes, navigate our brains, and come up in Wonderland. I'm Rosemary Orchard, and I'm joined today by Maddie and Izzy. Hi. Hello. Hey, all. How are you two doing? Are you excited? Have you been doing things? What's up? I have been doing lots of things and also not doing lots of things, but that's fine. I've been working a lot on consistency and routines, and it's, you know, it's a constant battle of always telling myself that it's you, you commit to something and then you lapse on it, but then you recommit. And it's not you commit, you lapse, and you give up. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I'm starting piano lessons again, which Yay. I'm super excited for. Congratulations Ooh. on piano lessons. They are lots of fun. I did that for years at school. I always wanted to take piano lessons and never did. So I'm kind of jealous. Are you doing in the home or going somewhere else or Zoom? What's going on? I'm going somewhere else. I had been doing them over Zoom like a year ago, but it turns out that as someone who's very new to piano, getting that feedback from someone in person is really valuable. And so I'm excited to be working with a person face-to-face on this. Yeah, I can imagine, especially with things like hand and finger positions and so on that can easily get lost in translation over Zoom. But uh, I, I definitely Absolutely. like... Yeah, I definitely like what you said about uh, it's not about giving up when you've when something lapses because that's definitely something I struggle with at times and actually that's that kind of brings me to uh, my quick check-in for today which is I set time tracking on fire um, so I was listening to uh, the most recent episode of Cortex um, at least at the time of recording um, and um, something that Mike and Grace had really resonated with me which was they'd never cleaned up their time tracking system because they'd never had to move apps and I was like, well, I'm not moving apps, but I can just delete everything in it and start over. Um, because this way I'm hopefully going to have a better system because I'm just trying to review what's going on at the moment so I can make some better plans for my next year. So yeah, I set everything on fire and started over and I'm dancing on the ashes of my former time tracking system and setting all the things up again, which is quite exciting. Nice. Sometime we're going to have to talk more about time tracking and what you get from that, because that's something I've never tried. But I think that's for another show. Definitely. Definitely. How about you, Maddie? What have you been up to? Well, first off, I've been playing a lot of play-by-post D&D with friends. Uh, That's just where you asynchronously um, do D&D via text chat. So uh, I've been able to play with friends from all around the world. I'm in a game with one of our friends from Australia, which is fun. We only have about four or five overlapping hours of the day. So that game's going pretty slow, but our characters did get into a pillow fight. It was pretty great. Um, And so it's really fun because I get to stretch my creative muscles in a way I haven't before, even though my littlest brother, and by little, I mean he's in his 20s, has been begging me to play D&D since he was like 16 or so. And I was just like, nah, that's kind of (laughs) nerdy. I was a nerd. Why did I care? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's also kind of fun, like a lot of fun. So. Yeah, 10 out of 10 recommendation. He was right. Also, like, I write. So making up characters and figuring out what they're doing, that's, like, right up my alley. Why did I always say no to this? Anyway, it's really fun. Yeah. What is the difference, would you say, creatively between role-playing and writing? So for one, when you're writing, 90% of the time you're doing it alone. You're not talking to other people. You're not getting input from outside. And with playing with friends in a D&D game... Um, I mean, unless you're just playing with the dungeon master, like you have to deal with weird personality quirks just hopping in there at any time. So um, one of our friends, Ankanu, is playing a character that uh, leapt through the door of a shop that was being ransacked and got us all into a battle without 
any prompting. And my character would never have done that. I would have never done that in a book ever. So dealing with that is kind of fun. <laughs> Speaking from experience, even if there's just one other person involved, they will absolutely manage to completely and utterly derail all of your carefully laid plans. And, you know, everything was beautifully architected and set up. And then they, you know, decide that instead of, you know, going over to this mysterious cave over here, they're going to go wander around a cornfield for six hours and look for stuff there. And you have to translate things and manipulate stuff to make sure that the entire experience is fun for everybody but yeah yeah definitely and learning how to learning how to be creative when everyone around you is changing the scene mm -hmm. um out from under you is really interesting and i actually i think it's going to make me a better writer on my own because i'm going to think of things that other people have done um i'm not going to just be stuck in my own rut forever and i think it's great i i'm having so much fun but other than that, I've been uh, reworking my systems. We keep bringing that up. And unfortunately, nothing is sticking there. And I think it's because I don't really know what's important anymore. So I'm working on that. Um, and usually this is when I go into burn it all mode. But I'm taking a slower approach this time because there are a lot more people relying on me now. It, usually it's just myself. But now we've got this podcast. So I have to think about how burning it all would affect you too. Um, I've got businesses and... I've got uh, my day job that, you know, I'm running a project. I can't just say, uh, give me 10 days to refigure out my life. So, <laughs> so yeah, I have been taking a really slow approach to um, thinking, how can I get somewhere where I feel like I'm on seal ground? That is definitely a challenge because, you know, everything that somebody else can say or suggest as well does not necessarily translate directly into your own life because they have their own preconceptions and perceptions of things and how they work, which makes it sometimes, you know, sometimes having an outside perspective can really give you really good insight to get you straight to the heart of the matter. And sometimes it just means that you're kind of looking over the top and you, you don't see it entirely. So that is definitely a challenge I can understand you having and you know wanting to find the right way to deal with it rather than just tackling it any old how and realizing after the fact that maybe that was a mistake i've always found like the question what are my priorities is a deceptively hard one to answer oh yeah like oh yeah there's stuff that comes up immediately but a lot of those things aren't the priority or the implication of the priority or there's priorities that really overlap to the point where they're the same or they really conflict and go in completely different directions. How have you been really figuring out what your priorities are? So, yeah, that's that is the biggest problem for me as well, because I mean, I think at the root of this is that I realized either my actions did not match my priority or my priority structure or I was lying to myself about my actual priorities. Mm -hmm. So um, I sat down and one of the first things I did was I just um, tried to pull out, like, out of my brain, what do I value in life? And I came up with a couple of things. And I know some books like I think Atomic Habits and a couple others recommend, you know, narrowing it down to five or whatever. But I just went until I couldn't think of any more. And if I'm honest, it was in the it was in the below 10 range of words that helped me define what really matters to me. And I ended up with words like fun, adventuring, um, creativity, and the big, big, big one, family, um, mm -hmm. whether that's found or otherwise. And it was really 
it was really eye-opening to see what I thought of when I wasn't staring at a list and trying to pick, you know, pick values and thinking, what do I actually want? What, what do I care about? And, you know, a couple of times I turned to friends and I, I asked, is it weird that I don't care about this? And they're like, no, you have to care about what you care about. So I started with that. And, um, so I started from there and then I started thinking, um, further, I need to make sure that, um, I'm taking care of myself, taking care of my needs as well. Not just my values, but, you know, I got to make sure I'm staying alive. Um, And my thoughts turn to, as they often do, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's it's something I learned about in high school psychology, and it stuck with me, um, especially because I think it's rather important when we think about society and ourselves. Um, so Maslow's hierarchy of needs is actually a pyramid. And at the bottom, it's, um, it's your physiological needs. So you need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to drink water. Next up there, it's, it's safety. So things like housing, having enough money to survive, having a house, or I just said that, but you know what I'm saying? It's having a job. It's making sure you're safe and secure. Um, above that is being loved, belonging to a group, having friends. Um, above that it's esteem, whether that comes from yourself or from others. And finally at the top, it's self-actualization, which is just a big fancy word for wanting to love yourself basically. Um, so feeling like you know what you're doing in the world. And that has always been my goal to know what I want to do to, to be following that. So I thought about this hierarchy and my values and where they intersected. And I decided, okay, first things first, I need to be focusing on these things first, my physical health, whether I have a job, whether my budget is, you know, safe. Those are, those are health and safety. I have to think about my family, my friends. Mm -hmm. I have to think about what makes my, like what makes me love what I do, being creative, having fun adventures, all that, and go from there. And so I basically said, okay, these are my core priorities. These come for in front of all else. Um, if I'm not thinking about these, something has gone wrong. Because, I mean, if I'm not thinking about those, what am I doing here? Right? Yeah. And um, yeah, so I started from there and then you know, I've got responsibilities coming out from that, like this podcast and mm-hmm. other o- ongoing long-term stuff. So I, I call my priorities, my core, I call those responsibilities, my centers, the things mm-hmm. around what, around which I move. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a multi-potentialite or a scanner. So I've got a bunch of other interests mm-hmm. that are not my core responsibilities. So I call those my curios. Yeah. And um, I've put, put up a project wall that I can take a picture of and put in our show notes for our friends. But basically, I'm going to be reading it right to left because that's how I put it up on the wall and making sure that everything I do every week starts from right to left. I can't do a curio until, you know, I'm fed. That makes absolute sense. There was something uh, called the ERG theory, which was um, by somebody who developed on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But existence comes first, like your basic existence, which does include, you know, all of those things. And I think that is something that is really easy to overlook. And you're there going, yeah, okay, so I need to do really, really well at, you know, organizing my bookcase and you forget to eat. Um, And, you know, if you if you're not taking care of the the absolute basics, then you do end up making maybe not mistakes, but you end up, you know, 
perhaps going a bit too far in and overextending yourself in some areas when you really can't do that unless you've taken care of the core because it's kind of like a, a bridge or a pier right the further away you go from from the land the less stable it is and the more support it needs so you need to build those supports to get you out there yeah exactly and it was something that i hadn't been paying attention to so when things started to crumble i was like ah oh, what's happening i didn't have my core i didn't have my foundation so i'm going really back to basics here and i think it's um I think it's going to work out. But like I said, it's going to take a long time. So yeah, it's difficult not to rush yourself with these things because we always think that we should be much closer to the finish line than we are. Um, but I've found something that helps me there a little bit is remembering that there is no finish line. You're you're running around in a circle. Um, so, you know, eventually you'll, you'll come back to the same point And it's just a case of, you know, you can take a shortcut to get back there now if you need to, or you can take a longer route. But, you know, we're going around in circles at the end of the day. The planet's it's revolving on an axis and it's circling around the sun. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, everything's circular. Certainly. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've always found, especially with routines, something that causes me to push them off and to push out the things I care about is avoidant behaviors, is, is trying to avoid... I guess, feelings or <laughs> to, to avoid, you know, like those yeah. those moments when your brain doesn't want to confront something and having your cores in front of you, I think, is a really good way to remind yourself of why you don't want to avoid those things, why it's worth confronting them. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like I said, I realized that my actions were not in alignment with my core. Mm -hmm. So turning turning that on its head and saying, no, core comes first. Everything I do has to come from the middle out um, and having it in a place where I can see it out of the corner of my eye or in the back of a Zoom call every single day, I cannot ignore them. And they're bright colors, so I couldn't even if I tried. <laughs> yeah, I think that is really smart. There is, you know, definitely something to be said by, um, you know, the, the way that or the environment that we're in affects us. And so by having the things that matter to you on display in your environment in some way, shape or form, um, then hopefully subconsciously you're internalizing those things again and again and again. Um, so, you know, there, there's some passive benefits as well as, of course, the you turn and you look at the wall and go, right, I start from here and I'm going to here, but I have to do this one before I can do that one. And then I can pick something from, from the other list. And I think... It still gives you the 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 fun choice element that I'm sure all of us appreciate because now, yes, I have to eat carrots. At some point, you know, it's somebody saying you've got to eat carrots. You don't want carrots anymore. Even if you love carrots, you will not eat them because they're your only option. So giving yourself a little bit of choice. Yeah. I mean, it works for toddlers. So, you know, it's not surprising <laughs> that it works on us adults as well. Yes. For sure. So I'm excited to see how it works for me. I just finished putting up all the cards last night, mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm glad they're there already. I've I've looked at them like four times this morning, so it's great. Excellent. Looking forward to an update. Yeah, definitely. In the meantime, I wanted to talk today um, about something that you brought up, um, Izzy. You linked us to a really cool article that you read about Idea Dad, and honestly, the title alone made me go, "Oh gosh, I feel called out." Like I'm being personally attacked here by this title. Um, but I think it's something that is, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening will, even if the, the, the title itself doesn't necessarily make you go, hmm, the, the idea of having a bunch of ideas essentially following you around and going, hello, I'm still here, is probably something we've all experienced. Yeah. 
And perhaps to sum up the core of what the argument was saying, it's that the more you try to develop all of your ideas, the less you're able to work on any one of them and that we need Mm -hmm. to pick the ideas to develop and the ones that excite us change over time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's so obvious when you look back at a list that you wrote, I don't know, two weeks ago. Um, And it doesn't matter what the list is. It could be meals you're planning to eat, groceries you're planning to buy or whatever. Looking at that now, you can go, hmm, well, with the benefit of hindsight, I can see this. But for our ideas, we don't necessarily put that lens on, that critical analytical lens of, hmm, why is this here? Because I found one of the things I've tried to incorporate into my reviews is like, I try to ask why why is this idea on my list now? Like, not why did I put this on my list? But why is it on my list now? What what does it why why does it deserve to be there? Um, because yeah, there's there's lots of ideas out there. There are lots of really good ideas out there, but maybe some of them need to go to the idea farm in the country, um, where they can you know hang around with the other ideas and have lots of fun. I agree with that. I when I read this article at first, I was like, well, I feel called out. But then I thought about this a little bit more, and um, I would say that I also have a lot of idea debt, but I don't think about it in the same way as the author did. He seemed to think, you know, he was being dragged down by Mm. the weight of all these extra ideas. And I think, I think the reason he was is a little bit because he was lying to himself about being able to go back and do all of these ideas. Um, My entire life, I've come up with so many ideas that if I tried to do them all, I literally would never get an ounce of sleep. So I've never tried. It would be impossible. And so if an idea just slips away one day without saying goodbye, like I'm like, all right, whatever. Someone else will figure it out. Um, Like (laughs) ideas come up in everyone's brain and someone will take the time to do it. It doesn't have to be me. Um, Actually, that reminds me, Jay from Conduit came up with a uh, came up with a little slogan for himself that he now has on a uh, home screen that says um just because something doesn't exist doesn't mean i have to make it Mm. and that is something that i've always kept in the back pocket for me like just because i thought of it doesn't mean it's mine you know i don't don't need to do anything with it so i think this article is more like it's about letting go of ideas but maybe he should have thought of that sooner i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think this is something um, that, you know, is is the problem here. It's not the fact that you've had all these ideas. It's that you've promised yourself that you were going to do them. Um, and are you still intending to do them? And this was something that I, I did enjoy with GTD um, early when I discovered it was the idea of the someday maybe list so that you can say, yeah, I'm not going to do that today. Like it's not an active thing that you're planning on working on and classifying things into this is a cool idea and this is a thing that I plan on doing in the somewhat immediate future, whatever immediate future is for you and your you know current life and everything um, is really important because also just because you put something on your list of things you plan to do now doesn't mean it has to stay there you can still set it free um and this yeah a lot of it is about making promises to yourself and then in some cases it's the broken promises to yourself that are what's weighing Mm -hmm. you down rather than the actual idea itself absolutely we really have a choice in how we capture an idea because we can capture the output of the idea that we can capture say that we want to write an article that says this Mm -hmm. or that we want to do a project that does that and that 
is a bit of a commitment to the future that you may or may not ever come back to. But the other option is just to capture the part of it that was interesting to you. And I know the Zettelkasten method really boils this down to its core, but then you capture the concept at its core and the connections to other ideas, then when you actually want to write an article about something, what you have is not a list of unfinished articles in the past, but a list of connected ideas that may or may not connect to this new thing that you're working on. I agree. That's a that's a really good way to um, look at it. And in fact, I think I might take this from you, Izzy, because as much as I say that I try not to carry around or think about idea debt in the same way, I realize that one area of my life I do carry around ideas the same way he was, and that was also in writing for me. And I wonder if it's something about the the medium in that um, I've got so many story ideas hanging out in my Scrivener, in the drawer in my closet that has all of the writing. I moved it out of the trunk into a drawer. It's still there. I haven't done anything with it. Um, but I, I mean, the outcomes that I thought of and have not worked on aren't going to get worked on either because the ideas are bad. I came up with them years ago and the person who thought of them is no longer me or they're too similar to things out in the world already. But some of those have interesting roots. Some of them have interesting concepts. They just don't need to be in that story. Yeah. And I think I might take your advice and use this for myself. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about having a separate system for ideas versus your active plans, um, whatever they are. Um, and I think that is um, something that is worth looking at. This is one of the reasons why in hindsight, looking at it, I use drafts to capture the things. I don't capture straight into my task manager because otherwise everything becomes a task or a project. And not everything is a task or a project. Sometimes it's just a note or thought. And then I realize that maybe I need to put this into an ideas list or something. Um, and that is um, definitely something that I have benefited from over the years looking back at it. Um, and I think I need to do better about analyzing things as ideas versus tasks or projects because there are a lot of things where I I realized the other day I was feeling really frustrated because I hadn't done something and it was really small and it's like oh my gosh you're gonna do this weeks ago why haven't you done it and the answer was it was an idea and I'm not that interested in it anymore cool mm -hmm. so why is it still on the list of things in my head that I should be doing why is it still in my task manager um and so I am now building a series of questions into my review which is like what has changed since I had this idea you know, what, what is the same, what's changed, and what is driving me to actually hold on to this, and how likely is it that I'm going to do this thing? Because if it's not at all likely, then yeah, um, I have a list. It's called Former Ideas, and it's things that I'm officially letting go of, um, and it means that I can just put things there and go, this was a good idea, but I'm not going to do it right now. So I can just write it down, and then I have the satisfaction of having written down the thing, but it's not in one of the systems where it's like, this is things that you might potentially want to do. These are the things that you are doing. It's a list of things at one point you thought you were going to do. Um, and it means that I can still have it there. I can still search. I can still find it. But it's also very clearly classified as something that I am not going to do anymore. I could change that if I wanted to, but I don't have to. Definitely. Um, as a scanner myself as well, Rose, I capture all ideas. And then, and I used to, like you, put them on my put them on my task list and say, I have to do this now because I thought of it. Um, but when I discovered my favorite book, which will come up every episode, I'm sure, uh, refused to choose in it. Um, the author Barbara suggests 
capturing these ideas, all of them that you have, and taking the time at the end of that idea when it when it feels like it's petering out in your brain to ask yourself, um, why is it petering out? Have like is the am I running out of time? Am I running out of you know fodder for this idea, or am I now bored? Like I I had the idea, I wrote it down, and I'm bored of it already. Fine, you don't have to do it. And having that kind of review as you're having ideas is also very important for this. And it makes it easier to not stuff that idea in a vault and carry it around with you. Um, and I think it's I think it's important for not just scanners, but everyone. Like if you have an idea to make an automation, if you sit down and do it right away, you know, it might it might never get used. I do that all the time. I'll be like, oh, I need a shortcut for this. And then I'm like, 10 days later, I haven't clicked on that button once mm-hmm. since I made it. Yeah. 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 I've also found that there's definitely a benefit in like just getting started on the ideas sometimes because sometimes it is like there's something in my brain. It's a little gremlin. It's just there going, you know, feed me, feed me, feed me. Um, And what I've been doing is I have been, I mean, half housing is the wrong way to put it, but I've just been getting a basic start on these things because I realize that a lot of these things will never be finished to the point where it Everybody looking at them would say, this is 100% complete. There are no flaws to this. First of all, there's flaws in everything. And secondly, sometimes just doing a little bit is enough to let my brain let go. Mm-hmm. By getting, you know, the basics of a framework for something out on paper, I can then go, okay, cool. And maybe I'll circle back to it in a couple of months, in which case I have an idea of how I thought it was going to work. Or I won't because that was enough. And also there are some things which are just by their nature an iterative process. You have to start with something to find where the flaws are so that you can improve on things. So waiting until you're going to be ready to sit down and and create this perfectly crafted masterpiece doesn't work for those. Um, And so by getting started, I'm getting the idea out of my head. It's becoming an actual thing in the wild that runs around and does whatever it's supposed to do. And then I can go back to it and improve on it if slash when I want slash need to. Because wants and needs, going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're, the wants come afterwards, right? We have to make sure that we've got the basics done of what we need to do, which is mm-hmm. maybe why some of these ideas follow us around for so long. Because they are essentially aspirations that we once had and we're not yet ready to let go of. I agree. Um, I agree. And I think, honestly, I think in the article, the author gets into this a little bit, that sometimes these ideas are we're holding on to them because they remind us of who we wanted to be or who we thought we were going to be in the future. And I think that's something that a lot of people, including myself, really struggle with um, when they're letting go of past thoughts. Like, um, I'm trying to think of some, but I, you know, I once had this harebrained idea to make an automation hub system, whatever, that could integrate with everything. And I have no, I have no electrical background at all, whatever. And also we've got, you know, things coming forward. I carried that one around for multiple years, mm-hmm. um, but I let it go as soon as they, as soon as they announced the, uh, what's it called? Matter? I don't remember. Yeah, matter. Matter. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, there it goes. Someone did it. Thanks. But I still held on to it because I was like, I'm a techie person. I think this idea is great. I think it would make a lot of, you know, people happy. It'd make me happy for certain because as a uh, less experienced home automation nerd than uh, Rose. I am like, I don't want to have to think about whether something's going to be a home bridge item or a home kit or whatever. 
and all of that. So yeah, I think when we get these ideas that make us feel as if we are better people than we actually are, it's really hard to let those go. Maybe not better isn't the word, but different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Past me wants to be a doctor and past me wants to be a woodworker. And neither of those things are compatible. And neither of those things are the direction I'm going today. Yes, yes. And sometimes, you know, there there is benefit to looking back at, you know, what we thought about how we were going to do things or where we were going to end up. And comparing, probably not, not necessarily criticizing where we've ended up, because, you know, we are where we are, we cannot change that. But acknowledging the difference there and perhaps reviewing if we are happy with these things could be beneficial for things like that. Just because there are, you know, changes, they there are small microscopic changes that happen every single day, which are what causes these ideas to appear. But they are also what moves us away from some ideas and perhaps towards others, um, much like, you know, a piece of flotsam or jetsam um, in, in the current. It's, it's being moved around or we are being moved around and then you know we have to react to that and there is no no proactiveness that we can do against life happening in general there's only proactiveness over the things that we can essentially control absolutely and present us gets to take that bouncing around off of life and then look at everything we wanted to do in the past and say okay now i've had these experiences what is valuable to me now Mm-hmm. A lot of these things, maybe these ideas were valuable to us in the moment, but now no longer matter. But it's still sitting on our list of things to do for whatever reason. I actually want to call attention to something that the uh, author said at the end of his article in relation to that. He was wrapping up the article and said, um, he said, after a bunch of self-reflection, he was asking himself why he had accumulated so many ideas and he basically just called himself lazy and i want to talk to that man because sir you cannot do everything you need rest days yeah. focus and and working 40 hours a week to write seven articles or whatever you think you needed to do to use all those ideas that's never gonna happen man no. don't beat yourself up if you can't finish an idea or if you don't even want to anymore like he goes into some of these they're they're not his ideas anymore they're past him so why is he beating himself up for past him not writing about it yeah you're not that guy don't worry about it and um i just want anybody out there who feels like bad that they haven't completed every idea they've ever had like izzy said you can't do it all yeah exactly and we should not put pressure on ourselves to do everything it does not make sense to so at the end of the day is the idea one that you want to keep that's definitely a good question and um I think something to to consider is not only to perform, as he suggests, last rites for ideas where he puts them out into the world and shares them, basically says, like, I'm not going to work on this. Someone else can. If you want to, you can pick this up. One thing that, again, was mentioned in Refuse to Choose is being proud of your unfinished projects or your unfinished ideas, displaying them in a way that makes you happy. You tried this thing. You may not have finished it, but you tried it. She calls it the most boring thing in the world, the life's work bookshelf um, or the personal museum to show all the things you've tried and done and thought of. But 
no matter how boring she could, no matter how boring the title of this activity is, I think it has some value. Appreciate what past you thought of. Appreciate what past you did, even if present you can't finish their work. They were part of you, at least for a little while. And I think having that kind of closure, it can feel really good yeah. to just say, you know, I, I worked on this, but I'm not anymore. But look, I did it. Yeah. There it is. This was a great article. Yes. made us think a lot. Yeah, it did. I found several other articles because I, I was ringing it. I was like, I'm sure this ri- this rings a bell. And it turns out that there was a Lifehacker article in 2017, which I am certain I read at the time because I was probably following Lifehacker a lot closer back then than I was now. And that led me to a bunch of other articles, which we can put links to in the show notes in case people want to read more about this uh, from a different source to the one that got us started down this rabbit hole or this path, whichever way you choose to... Uh, uh, view that but it's certainly you know at the end of the day it's about accepting yourself and being happy with yourself and your accomplishments because you are accomplishing things even if that's admitting that you didn't finish an idea this has been above the mess i'm maddie van houten you can find me at flexpotential.com izzy at stardust.fm rosemary at rosemaryorchard.com and the entire podcast at above the mess.com or on twitter and instagram at above the mess pod Feel free to shoot us an email or send us some messages. We love y'all's feedback and cannot wait to hear more from you. What are some ideas you have gotten rid of? Have a good fortnight, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye, all. Oh, hold on. The cat's in my personal museum.